Good morning, everybody. Um, hope you all have had a good week. I hope you had a good day of rest yesterday, and uh, this weather's been gorgeous. It's going to be even prettier today, they say. Uh, I will tell you, uh, Lord willing, and the church don't rise next Sunday for Mother's Day, we are going to try to plan on having a parking lot service. Um, so uh, you, I don't care if you wear your pajamas or not, but we're going to try to set it up where uh, we'll be preaching out of the side door here and you guys stay in your vehicles and uh, and listen to it on 92.7 which you can hear right now if you're close by um, and then we'll we'll continue to record it uh, live on Facebook as well just in case you can't make it here but uh, that's that's the goal 10 o'clock next Sunday parking lot service for Mother's Day and we'll, we'll just see how it goes if it's looking like the weather's gonna be bad or something may change it but we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there um, if you haven't drove by, you need to drive by the church and look at the banners on the fence. It looks awesome. All the graduates um, from uh, going from 8th grade to 9th grade, then the ones graduating high school, the ones graduating college. Uh, so we've got several out there on the, on the fence, and it looks really good, and I appreciate those that uh, had a hand in it. I had nothing to do with it, so I get no credit for that, except for Abby since you know, she's here because of me. But... Um, the rest, I'm, I mean, it looks really good. It's very, it's very touching um, uh, to, for them to see that, I know, so, and for the families as well. 
Uh, this morning we're going to be over in 2 Kings chapter 5, hence the song that we had James play there a while ago, Wade in the Water. He's laughing, he's joking a while ago, and he said, I can't believe you'd play a song about water, since I don't like water. But we're going to be looking at water this morning, and we're going to be looking at the, the Jordan River, uh, again, 2 Kings chapter 5, when we get there. And uh, we're, we're going to look at uh, a man named Naaman, and we're going to look at a servant girl, and we're going to look at Elisha as well. So we're going to look at uh, a servant, or I'm sorry, we'll look at a slave, a soldier, and a saint this morning for a little while. Second uh, Kings chapter 5. But if you think about uh, this river, Jordan River, some great things happen in Jordan River. And a lot of people tend to compare uh, the Jordan River to the, the mighty Mississippi or the muddy Mississippi, whatever you want to call it, uh, because of how murky it is. And I remember... Uh, when I, a few years ago, five or six years ago, I went to Valonia, Arkansas. First time I ever went to Arkansas. First time I ever uh, crossed the Mississippi. And I remember going through Memphis on 40, and we went right across the Mississippi. And that was the nastiest looking thing I'd ever seen in my life. I thought, man, why would anybody, why is there so many songs and so much written about the Mississippi when it looks that ugly? It looks like chocolate milk flowing in the Gulf of Mexico is what it looks like. But the Jordan River has the same type of reputation as being this old, muddy, murky, dirty-looking river. Uh, both times I've been there, uh, it was a green uh, because of the way they've got it set up to where you can baptize people there. It's a lot cleaner. But when you get on the other ends of uh, where they do the baptisms, it's a lot greener or a lot muddier. I'm sorry. It's a lot dirtier, a lot murkier there. But um, the, there's a guy named George Smith and he described the, the Jordan as muddy between banks of mud, careless of beauty, careless of life. So it's just not that pretty of a thing, but there's a lot of, a lot of uh, history and a lot of uh, heritage there in the, in the Jordan. And uh, the Jordan was, to say the least, I guess, um, an unlikely spot for a bath or even for a miracle to take place. If you, if, and we'll get into the story here in a second, you'll understand why. But you don't think of people wading down into muddy water. To, to at least take a bath, and most people wouldn't even bother to do it to, to try to perform a miracle. Um, and we're going to look at how this soldier, this general, did just that, and how he did uh, take a, a step of faith and dip himself in the Jordan River, and, became, and he became cleansed of, of his leprosy. The miracle unfolded as uh, three lives were woven together by God's timing. Who would have thought that a slave would say something to have a general go see a prophet. doesn't make sense when you really think about it, but because God had his hand in this whole thing, it worked. And because God had his perfect timing and perfect will was done here, there was one more saint come to know Jesus, or at least the God of Israel at the time. And so one more made it to heaven because of this uh, obedient servant girl. Uh, if you have your Bibles and you're, and you're over to 2 Kings, uh, we'll be in, starting at verse 1, we're going to go through verse 14. I'm screaming up here somewhere. I'll step back. <laughs> All right. I have to drop this down a little bit. Okay. Verse 1 says, Now Naaman, captain of the most... Or the host of the king of Syria was a great man with his master, and honorable because of him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand pieces of gold, and ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is coming to thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman, my servant, to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass, when the king of Israel had read the letter, 
that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man doth send unto me to recover man of his leprosy? Wherefore consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot, and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth, and went away, and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me, and stand, and call on the name of the Lord his God, and strike his hand over the place, and recover the, leap, the leper. <clears throat> Are not Abna and Paphra rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean? Then he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Let's pray. Father, uh, this morning we want to thank you again for uh, allowing us to come to your house and worship. God, we thank you for this week that you've given us. Lord, we thank you for uh, the rain that you provided for us. And I thank you, Lord, for this beautiful sunny weather you've given us this weekend. Lord, I pray each, each person would take an opportunity, Lord, just to reflect back on the goodness uh, that you have provided for each one of us, where your your protective hand has been right there by our side, Lord, where your love and grace has been right there to bring us through uh, all that's going on right now in our lives. God, we thank you for uh, your word this morning. I pray, Lord, you bless our time together as we try to worship the best that we can. Father, I pray that your presence be known in every house and every heart that's a, a part of this today, Lord. And we thank you again for uh, this technology that we're able to utilize uh, to continue to preach your word and get the word out. We love you and we thank you. I bless your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to look at the three people first this morning in this story. And we briefly read just a small part in the very first part of this about this servant girl. Now, this was the king's, uh, I guess you would call it the queen's uh, maid. But this servant girl has a huge part to play in this, a bigger part to play in this, in my opinion, than even Elisha had to play in this because she said something. She had faith in the God of Israel, and she said something. Now, this young girl, they think she may have been maybe a teenager. They're not real sure, but she was taken captive by the Syrian army and as they raided her, her, her town there, and, and she was taken back to the commander's house and made a, a slave or a servant, however you want to say it. So imagine, imagine what slavery meant to this young girl. Now, some people would probably think she may end up being... Uh, uh, probably abused or something like that, but it, it probably wasn't like that because she was uh, she was a female's servant, so there probably wasn't any abuse like that. But you got to think about the loneliness that she had, the separation that she had, or maybe even the the obedience must have been unbearable for her at the time, especially as as a young girl that hasn't even uh, got to experience life yet. So she was lonely. She didn't have her family. She didn't have her friends. She was taken. She was uh, stripped away from everything that she knew and she loved, and she was taken to be a servant. But she didn't let that bother her. She didn't let that get her down. She continued to have faith in her, her God, the God of Israel, the same God that Elisha kept preaching and prophesying about all of his life there, after, especially after Elijah died, and, and he got the mantle, and he was, he was given that double portion. She had the same faith in that God, in the God that Elijah had, Elisha had, the same faith. What's amazing is that she didn't surrender to her bitterness, though. Whatever may have been weighing her down, whatever may have been uh, bothering her heart, she didn't let that weigh her down, and, and she didn't let her circumstances, I guess, control her emotions, her thoughts. She didn't let her circumstances affect her faith. 
And, and I guess we could park on that for just a second and, and, and do the same thing and, and try to encourage you this morning with that. Don't let your emotions, don't let your, your current circumstances in life, don't let that get in the way of your faith. Don't let that, uh, don't let that control your faith. Just because things are not looking the best right now for a lot of people, don't let that control your faith. Don't let that uh, determine how strong you're going to believe that Jesus is going to get you through this. Just because bad things are happening in the world right now don't mean that God's not in control. Don't let the bad things that are going on in your life right now get you uh, discouraged in your own personal life thinking, well, he ain't going to get us through this anytime soon. I'm going to put God on the back burner and see what else is available. We can't do that. This little slave right here, this little servant girl, didn't do that either. She was stripped away from her family and taken to a place that she didn't need to be or deserve to be, but it was God's perfect timing and God's will that she be right where she was when she was. God seen fit to use that little servant girl in a way to save one great man, one man with a lot of power, a lot of wealth, a lot of prompt. He, he was a, a, a great person in the eyes of the community, but God decided, you know what, we're going to use a slave, we're going to use a servant girl to get him clean, to make him clean, and not just clean him up from his leprosy, but clean up his heart so that he would worship the one true God of Israel. So he used this little girl to do that. And this, if this young slave had not had the right spirit about her, the miracle never would have happened. If she didn't serve, if she did not believe in God, the miracle never would have took place because she had never said a word. She never got the ball rolling, in other words. That's what happened here. She got the ball rolling for this man. And then the ball was handed off to Elisha to do the rest. Her master would still be a leper. Her master would have died a leper. And God would have been one less uh, uh, person in his kingdom had she not spoke up. This message today still rings true today for each one of us. We need to be like the servant girl. Even though we're down and out right now with things going on in the world and in our lives, we've got to continue to let our faith shine. We've got to continue to let the world know that we still serve and believe in the one true God and that Jesus did come and save us from all that's going to take place. He came to save us. Our joy in the Christian faith can't be linked to what's going on around us. We cannot allow the world to, to uh, uh, cover up, blanket, and and put a, 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 bushel, a basket over our lot, I guess, a bushel over our lot. We can't allow the world to do that. We've got to shine brighter now than we ever have. People need somebody to turn to right now. The world needs to turn to somebody. Right now they're turning, they're just spinning. It's like sitting in an office chair and spinning. They're looking for something to get them through this. They need to stop and look at who we serve and who we believe in. We've got to show them our faith, give them our testimony, show them where our God got us through our situation. Be that light out there. Our faith doesn't not have to be equal to the, to the life challenges that are out there. Absolutely, it, our faith needs to be greater than what's going on around us right now. We need to take the time to stop what we're doing and realize that God's got this and he is still in control. We need to seize every opportunity to shed some light in our life right now. Shine a little light, God's light, in our life. In that darkness that we're in right now, in this dark world we're living in, let God's light shine about us and be an encouragement to those that are around us. Be an encouragement to those that are depressed, those that are, are they're, they're losing it right now because they don't know what to do, because they feel like they've been let down. The government's let them down. Their, their employers have let them down. They're... they're the, their friends and family have let them down but God ain't let them down and we need to encourage them and remind them that he's still in control he's still got this through our triumph others might win now number two we're going to look at Naaman and Naaman uh, the slave girl's master was, was Naaman and, and if you guys remember during Desert Storm you had Storm and Norman this is Storm and Naaman this is, this is who we're going to look at for just a second. Storm and Norman, or Storm and Naaman. He was the chief general of the Syrian army, and he had, he had one flaw. He was a leper. That's a huge flaw, especially back then, and especially the Old Testament and the way that, that lepers were looked at. We've, I know I've preached a lot on lepers here over the past year or two, uh, and they were dirty, filthy people in the eyes of the community. 
they were outcasts. They were not allowed to be around people. They had, they had their own little uh, outpost away from the city, and that's, it was a leper camp, and that's where everybody had to be, and you had to wear a bell around your neck, and you ta- your clothes had to be torn, and, and they had to walk around, and they had to yell, unclean. I mean, it's not a disease that, and even today it still exists, and it's not a disease that anybody wants. Nobody wants a disease anyway. But this one starts out, I mean, it starts out as simple as it's a little red dot in your eyelid. And then over time and over years, it spreads all over your body, and you start losing body parts. And I'm not kidding, your, your digits will fall off. Ears can fall off. Nose will fall off. Things fall off because of this leprosy, and eventually they die. They will die from this leprosy if, if, they, if they're not uh, cured. Uh, and I'll tell you right now, there's still no cure. Even here we are in 2020, there's still no cure for leprosy. Uh, it's a lot like, uh, you know, there, there's some treatments out there for leprosy that will slow it down, a lot like cancer. But in the end, there's still no cure for this leprosy. So people are still going to die. This disease threatened to end his career, but more importantly, it, it threatened to end his life. It probably already robbed him of all his, his social contacts, all his friends and, and people that he, uh, he went through training with through the military and all that. He, he's already an outcast to them. And he's lost all these people. Now, Naaman, he was miserable. Any leper that you, if, that you meet or talk to, they're miserable people because you, they can't come in contact with anybody. We're kind of in that right now if you think about it. A leper can't have contact with anybody. They can't shake a hand and they can't hug somebody. They can't sit down beside of them and talk to them and, and talk about the weather and all the things going on. They can't go fishing with them or turkey hunting or nothing because they can't be in contact with them, at least close contact. We're in the same boat right now. We have, we have this, this social distancing thing that's going on. We can't be in contact with anybody. We can't hug anybody. We're not supposed to shake hands with anybody. We ain't supposed to bump elbows, but I see a lot of that going on right now. We can't con- be in contact with people, and it is discouraging. It, and and we, I've talked about it a lot here lately with some other preachers. You know, we miss those handshakes. We miss those little, those little side hugs at the end of the service. We miss that, that physical contact between the church members, and it, it hurts. It's discouraging for a lot of people. So think about being a leper and, and not being able to come in close contact with anybody ever again, not being able to to hug your, your wife or your kids or to shake your friend's hand or anything like that. So he was discouraged. He was miserable. Even though he had all this power, he had all this position, he had all this wealth, he was still a miserable person in, this, in his life. We all have flaws like that. We may not have a physical disease like he had. We may not have leprosy like he had, but we have an inner type of leprosy ourselves, and it's called sin. We have this this disease inside of us that we can't seem to shake, and it's called sin. And every, everywhere we turn around, uh, we try our best to, to stay away from this sin, but that sin tends to pop out every now and then. That's the way we are. We have that sin nature in us, and we can, uh, we can, we can sin, and we'll ask for forgiveness, and the Lord will forgive us, thankful for that. But we're always going to have that sin nature inside of us. We were, we were born with it. We're born sinners. We're going to die sinners. But once we leave this earth and we get to heaven, we don't have to worry about it no more because of what Jesus done for us on the cross. As long as we have dipped ourselves, washed ourselves in the blood of Jesus, we're covered. We're fine with it. Uh, but it's not what he wants us to do. He doesn't want us going around just sinning all day long and then ask for forgiveness at the end. He wants us to stop sinning the best that we can. He wants us to, to be healed from it and to go and live a better life than what a, a life filled with sin would be. This sickness, this sin sickness that we have, it floods our lives until it eventually can rob us of, of all, we, all we value, all we care about, if we let it. We cannot let sin rob us of what we care about. So that's why it's so important, another reason, another of many reasons, why it's so important to have Jesus as your Savior, so that that sin doesn't rob us of the joys of this life. It doesn't rob us of the love of this life. It doesn't rob us from all the goodness that God has provided us in this life. Sin will do that to you. Sin's a, sin is like a snowball. It starts out as a little snowflake, and it progresses and gets bigger and bigger and bigger and turns into an avalanche if you're not careful. We have to be careful with that. Jesus says, come to him. 
He said, he just said, come to me. He tells us that he's the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by him. So we've got to go through him to get to the Father. We've got to go through him to get through this life full of sin that we're in right now. We've got to go through him to get forgiveness where we've came short. We've got to go through him to, to get the love that we have never experienced in our life. It's all through Jesus that we do this. And so we have Naaman here. Under the armor of, of wealth and power and all that he has uh, in his life, his soul is needing a touch from the great physician. We're the same way. Under all that we have, all the wealth and the power and, and the friends and all the things that we own in this life, we still have a soul from the great physician. Because if you think about it as a leper, nobody's going to touch him. Not even a doctor would touch him. Well, nobody's going to want to touch us because we're so full of sin. But I know a man that will. I know a great physician that's willing to reach out his hand and touch us and heal us from this sin sickness that we have, if we'll let him. With desperate hope, Naaman followed that little slave girl's advice. And he traveled to Elisha, packed his horse, packed his chariot, packed a bunch of money and some clothes, and he went on to see Elisha. But he was unprepared for what he found when he got there. That's going to bring us to number three, and that's Elisha. This great prophet lived up to his inheritance. If you go back and, and you read about what, what happened with Elijah and being called up, and Elisha, he received the mantle from Elisha, Elijah, and, and the Lord gave him a, a double portion. And Elisha had a heart for Israel. He had a heart for those that had turned against God. And that's the way he preached. He inherited Elisha's mantle. And, and all after that, and he got that double portion, all his miracles that he performed, all that he'd done for God was, was proof of his lifelong struggle to bring Israel back to God. That's all he wanted. He wanted to bring Israel back to the one God, the one true loving God that they had served years before and they had fallen away from and they stepped away from. In this story here, Elisha's strong awareness into the people, it's, it's obvious. He knew people. He understood people. Elisha knew the inner workings of people. He had to, but he, he knew he had to see it individually. It wasn't like God just gave it to him and said, he could just look across the crowd and, and understand everybody. He had to, to, to know them. He had to, to see them and, and kind of know their history. Like that slave girl, Elisha's function was to give direction for this, 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 uh, this uh, general. That's all he had to do was give him some direction. The slave girl said, I know a man that can fix this leprosy. And so he went, and then Elijah said, I know a man that can fix this leprosy, and all you got to do is dip yourself seven times in, in the river. It was something simple. Elisha knew that each person is unique with a different set of hang-ups. We know that each one of us are unique with a different set of hang-ups. We all are different in our, uh, personally, we're all different in the way that we we struggle with things in this life. We're all different, and we have different needs uh, for God. Each one of us has a different need for God. There's barriers that keep people from, from God in our own minds. There's a reason. We all put, put reasons on why we can't serve God. And if you think about before you were saved, and we'll even take it a step further, even while you're saved, we put barriers out there saying, this is why I can't serve God. I, I, have, I have failed him. You know, I'm a, I'm a drunkard. He don't want no drunkard. I, I've, I'm, a, I'm a drug addict. He don't want no drug addict. I, I've, I have sinned. I have, I have all these things going on in my life. God don't want me in his, in his kingdom because of who I am. On the contrary, God wants you in his kingdom. It doesn't matter what you have done in your past. God looks way past all that. And he said, hey, if you just come to me and confess with your heart and just tell the world that I'm your Savior, I'll use you in a great way. And we do that. Most of us have done that that are listening this morning. We've asked Jesus in our heart and we've become a, a believer in Jesus Christ and, and we're going out and we're trying to be a Christian. But even as a Christian, we still put barriers up and say, God, I can't do this. I know you're asking me to do it, but I can't do it. We put up our own block walls so that we can't serve him the way that he, that he intends for us to be served. Well, Lord, if you remember, I, I, I know you saved me, 
but do you remember what you saved me from? Do you remember my past? You go back and you look at Moses and, and all that Moses had wrong with him, and God used him in a great way. David, the same way. He had a history, had a past, but God still used him in a great way. And he's going to continue to do that with us up until he calls us home. He doesn't care about your past. He's more focused on your future. And you need to be more focused on your future. Don't worry about all the bad things that you did in your past. God, if you've asked him to forgive you from it, he has forgiven you from it. You need to forgive yourself and move on and quit bringing it back up and using it as an excuse or a block wall to not serve him. We've got to get past all that. So Elijah... He had to understand the person, the person first and then map out a direction which God would lead him through or he would lead him to God. He had to understand and know him a little bit better. Now, I'm thankful that we live in a day and time in an age of grace now where that doesn't happen. I don't have to know you personally to figure out a map or a direction to get you to God. I'm thankful for that. I ain't got much to do with that. That's between you and him. Whenever you get down and ask him into your life, that's between you and him. But it may come from a sermon, or it may come from a song, or it may come from a prayer. It may come from somebody's testimony. But God's already mapped out his direction for you. God's got his plan already for you. Jeremiah tells us that. He knows where he wants you to be. And we know, we all know, hopefully, that he wants us all saved. We know that. And he leaves it up to us to, to do that. That's just, hopefully that's common sense for everybody now. And you know, that's, that's the way I preach. It's free will. It's totally up to you whether you accept him or not. So I don't have to get to know you for you to get saved. All you got to do is get to know Jesus to become a Christian, to, to be saved. You got to get to that personal relationship. But I want you to notice something. How, I want you to see how Elisha dealt with Naaman. I like how he dealt with Naaman here. Now, the first thing you look at real quick is Elisha refused to meet Naaman before the cleansing. Go back over to verse 9 real fast. It said, So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. Now this, this offended Naaman because of his status, because of his power, because of his position. He thought, well, I'm, I'm somebody. And since I'm somebody... You better come to the door and greet me. Since I am so-and-so and since I have so much, so much power, you need to come talk to me and tell me what to do. Don't send a servant. Don't send your servant to tell me what to do. And that offended him. and It made him extremely mad. Elisha wanted Naaman to learn that what would happen was not because of wealth, position, or power. So he's trying to give him a life lesson here as well. It doesn't matter your status here on earth. That doesn't, that doesn't make a hill of beans uh, to Elisha. Naaman was important to God just as the servant girl was important to God and just as Elisha is uh, important to God and just as you and I are important to God. Here on earth, we, we have these positions, this hierarchy. We have all these people in different positions around the world and we think sometimes that they are better than us or they think that they're better than us. They make millions or billions of dollars. They're better than these people that are making minimum wage. That's the way that the world looks at things. In God's eyes, we're all equal. Whether you're the billionaire or the person that's unemployed right now, it doesn't matter. In God's eyes, we're equal. And so Elisha's trying to teach Naaman this life lesson. In your little mind, you think you're better than me. In God's eyes, we're all equal. In God's eyes, we're all equal. Number two, Elisha refused to do any elaborate ritual connected with the healing. He wasn't going to go out there and, and say some magic words and, 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 and maybe even strike a stone or, or turn a, a rod into a snake or, or anything like that. That's what Naaman was expecting because religions have rituals. So many religions in this world have rituals. Even Naaman's religion, whatever it was, must have had a ritual because that's what he was expecting. He was expecting something, some hocus-pocus something to take place uh, before the healing would take place. But through that messenger, though, Elisha told Naaman to just to go wash yourself in the Jordan. Go down and take, a, take seven baths in the Jordan, and you'll be clean. Just take seven baths. That's all I ask you to do. That's all God wants you to do. Just obey 
this command and take seven baths, which is, I kind of feel his pain right now, Elisha's pain. We can't even get Paisley to take one bath a day or one a week sometimes it feels like. So it's, it's probably like talking to Paisley. Take, go take your bath. No. And then she goes to bed. Elisha just, you know, he just stubbed up. Or not Elisha, I'm sorry, Naaman. Just stubbed up and was mad and refused to go do it. The messenger, or through the messenger though, Elisha told him to wash seven times and that's all there was to it. That's all there is. And that's, you know what, if you go back and you think about that, to, to be cleansed, for, for him to say go wash seven times to be cleansed, that doesn't sound like there's much to it. it. It just sounds too easy. Don't that sound like salvation? Don't that sound like salvation to us? It's too easy. What can I do? Do, do I need to, do I need to, go, can I give a little bit more money to the church to be saved? Or, or can I go do something for the church to be saved? Or can I go do something for God to be saved? It's so simple. Just believe. That's all there is to it. Naaman wouldn't do it. He just couldn't believe that he needed to go take seven baths in the, in the Jordan. A lot of people today are missing out on salvation because they think it's too simple. It's too easy. It is, it is that simple. It is that easy. God didn't want to make it an act. He didn't want us to have to work our way into it. He tells us. He tells us plainly. Let me go to it. He said, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's that simple. It keeps going. It says, For with, uh, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It just don't sound real. But it's the most real thing that you can ever do for your life. For your eternity. And just believe. Confess. There used to be oh, there's a, the ABCs of salvation. Admit, believe, confess. That's all there is to it. It's that, but Naaman, he just didn't get it. He wanted to pay. You, you remember what he said right here? He said, uh, let me see if I can find it. And the king of Syria said, go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed, and listen to what he took with him. Ten talents of silver, six thousand pieces of gold, and ten changes of raiment. He was trying to buy. He's trying to buy this miracle. He's trying to, to, to give this back to Elijah. He wants to pay Elijah for the work that's, that he thinks is getting ready to take place. And read on past in the, from verse 15 to the end. And I'll tell you that, you know, Elisha, he rejected that. He wanted to earn that. He wanted Elisha to earn that pay. And Elijah didn't want it. He didn't want, he didn't want to take it. All religions have some type of, of ritual out there. And most of them do revolve around money. You've got to pay for this to take place. You've got to, you've got to pay to uh, receive a blessing or you've got to pay to receive forgiveness. You've got to pay uh, to receive a miracle. You've got to pay. Elisha said, you don't pay God like that. You don't have to pay me to perform this. Just listen to me. Obey me, and that's all I ask from you. So this effortlessness of Elisha's directions, it confused him. Because, I'm, and I'm sure, and again, we don't really know much about, uh, about Naaman's uh, background or religion, but it probably confused him, probably made him even madder, the fact that he wouldn't take this silver and this gold from him. Uh, to, to, for this miracle, and he probably in the back of his mind said, this ain't going to work because I didn't pay the man. It didn't work because I couldn't, uh, I did, he didn't receive any of this payment, any of this gold or this silver, so this ain't going to happen. This miracle ain't going to take place because I didn't pay the man. It, it was meant to show Naaman that the ritual was not important. This pomp and circumstance that goes on in the world right now, it's not important. Salvation takes place in your heart, not because of some ritual that takes place, not because of, of anything that you put in the offering plate or anything that you, you've done for, for the church or for God. It's, it's not, not about a ritual. It's about that personal relationship. It's about what you've done between you and God. That's all it is. Be that naming out there. Don't try to buy your way into heaven because it's not going to do nothing but get you to hell. That money means nothing. Absolutely nothing. 
The important thing was to follow the directions and give himself totally to God. That's what's important to us. Follow those directions. What I read you there in Romans that Paul wrote. Follow those directions. That's what's important. Follow those directions and give yourself to God and let him into your life. Just follow those directions like Naaman did eventually. The third thing, Elisha told Naaman to wash in the old muddy Jordan. He said, go down there and dip yourself seven times in the Jordan and things will be good. And it, again, it didn't make sense to Naaman. It had made absolutely no sense to him. He knew that there's at least two more rivers that he had a better chance of being clean in. And you think about it, we all know our, our, our areas. We know our rivers around here. Um, we know what's clean. We know what's dirty. We know a lot of times if you've been born and raised in the area, you know that so-and-so sewer probably or septic tank probably leaks or they probably have one that's ran straight into the creek. You know where you can fish and where you can swim and all that. We've got one back home on 321. It's called Trash Can Falls. You don't want to swim in that too much unless you got a tetanus shot and all that good stuff. Uh, there's places you, you want to. Well, Naaman knew of two other rivers that were a lot cleaner than the Jordan, and he felt like those clean rivers had a better chance of cleaning him up than the Jordan did. If I take my leprosy into the muddy water, I might get sicker. I might come out with more disease than just the leprosy. That's what's going on in the back of his mind. The Jordan was not just dirty, but in that time, it was considered insignificant. It didn't really play any type of big roles in the area. And so he felt like he needed to move on to something bigger and better with a better name and a lot cleaner. So how in the world could it help him? How could the Jordan River help him? To wash in the Jordan seven times was humiliating for him. And it would have humbled him had he done it. It would have been a humbling experience. And he didn't want to do that. He had power. He had status in the area. And he felt like if he'd done that, that, that was going to strip him of that power and that status. And it would strip him. And it would humiliate him. And he didn't want to be humbled either. And so he, that's why he refused to do it. But that's exactly what Elisha wanted to happen. He wanted him to be humiliated. He wanted him to humble himself. It wasn't really the humiliation part, but he wanted to humble himself. And that's what we have got to do as well. We've got to humble ourselves before God. We have to. Right now, I believe there's a lot of people humbling themselves before God because of what's going on around us. But all Elisha was asking, humble yourself. Mind me and go take a bath seven times. Seven baths in the Jordan River and watch this and see what happens. If Naaman obeyed, he would be stripped of his arrogant, self-centered attitude. He needed that. And I say it a lot. I think I probably said it last Sunday or Sunday before last. You know, 23rd Psalm. When he tells us, he maketh me lie down beside still waters. He does that. He will make you lay down. And sometimes, or a lot of times, when he makes you lay down beside those still waters, what he's doing is what he's done here. He is trying to strip us of our arrogant ways. He's trying to strip us of our self-centered attitude. When he makes you stop, when he sets your butt down and you've got to think about it, a lot of times you're going to sit and you're going to say, I'm not a good person. I've got some bad ways about me that I need to fix. That's God's way of waking you up. He's smacking you around a little bit, your conscience around or, or the Holy Spirit speaking to you and saying, you need to straighten up your ways. Get rid of this arrogant attitude that you have and start minding the Lord. Start listening to what he has to say to you. So after the shock and all the anger wore off of him, and after the, the, the pressure from one of his servants, Naaman, he, he obeyed Elisha's directions. He finally listened to him. He done exactly what Preacher A has always said about pride. So this is a prideful man right here. And everybody says, swallow your pride. Preacher A says, spit it out. It taints your body. Well, that's exactly what Naaman done. As he spit his pride out, and he went on down there and took seven baths in the Jordan. And the Bible says, I'll paraphrase this, he came out smooth as a baby's butt. He came out with childlike skin on him, baby skin. He came out clean. He was, he was cleansed because he finally spit that pride out, and he was healed because he, he obeyed, he listened. More importantly, though, he became a follower of Israel's God. So in the whole story, we see the leprosy, we see the pride, we see the arrogance, we see all the things about him that are a lot like a lot of us. But in the end, it wasn't about the healing from the leprosy. 
It's about turning to God. It's about receiving God in his life. And it's about following God for the rest of his life. So he went from an arrogant army guy to a follower of Israel's God. That's, that's, the, that's the point in this whole story. It's not just the healing. It wasn't just a physical healing. It was the spiritual healing that took place when he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times. It was because he finally put his faith in God that he was healed. He minded. He obeyed. God gives directions today to every one of us. There's a little signpost that's going to point us uh, towards the ultimate goal. They're all over the place if you just open your eyes and look around. God's got plans for each one of us. God gives directions every single day through that still, small voice, through somebody's preaching. And I know that a lot of, a lot of audience have told me that, man, we're getting to hear all kinds of preachers on Sundays, or we're getting to, to go back and listen to them throughout the week, which is great, and I encourage that. As long as it's not Joel Osteen, I encourage that. I had to throw that in there. But listen to them. You're going to get something. God's going to speak to you, not just through something that he may put on my heart, but some of those other preachers that you're listening to, he's going to speak to you. They're going to sing a song, and it's going to move you. Somebody's going to pray, and it's going to move you. Something's going to happen during these services, and that's God saying, you need to follow this direction. Here's your signpost. Follow me. Follow him. The directions themselves are probably going to vary in detail for each one of us. Some of us, we may have to zig, and the others are going to zag. Some of us may have to dip down through a valley, and the others are going to have to climb up a mountain. But in the end, the ultimate goal is that fellowship with God. The ultimate goal is for us to have that, that fellowship like no other fellowship that we've ever had before. I've got a feeling that the fellowship that we have on that first Sunday we come back is going to be about as close as we're ever going to come this side of heaven to fellowshipping with God because we're missing it. We're missing that fellowship. Our ultimate goal, though, again, is to, to fellowship with God. The final direction God gives us is to wash in the blood of the Lamb. That, that's his direction. He said, dip yourself, immerse yourself in the precious blood of the Lamb. That's where we need to be. We need to go through the blood. We have to go through the blood. It's not a need to. We have to. We have to go through the blood. We've got to obey what God has told us through his word, and we have to go through the blood for that salvation. If you don't go through the blood, you can't go through the gates of heaven. If you don't go through the blood, then you're going to go through the gates of hell. That's all there is to it. God's telling us that. He said, just listen to me. Just listen to me. You've got to go through that blood. With the directions given, we have to choose whether or not to respond. Are we going to respond to what he's given us? Are we going to respond to go through the blood or deny the cross? What are we going to do? It's, it's, it's up to us. Nothing short of total obedience to those directions will do. We've we, we, we got to totally obey him. And not just once we say, yes, I want Jesus. From that point on, we've got to obey his word. We've got to obey everything that he's telling us to do. We have to obey uh, all his directions. As bad as painful as it might be, you're going to have to stop and say, here I am, Lord, send me. I hear you loud and clear. I'm on my way. That's a tough one. But we need to be like Naaman there at the end and finally listen to that still small voice and go dip ourselves in the Jordan. Let's pray. Father, this evening as we close out, God, we thank you. God, we thank you for grace. Lord, this morning as we woke up, as we rolled out of bed, that mercy was new. Uh, Father, we, we couldn't function without it. Lord, as we, we go about our day-to-day, -day, uh, I pray, Lord, as we see that sunlight coming through, and uh, Lord, as it's greening everything up around here, I pray that we see your love just shining brighter than that sun. Lord, as we close out today, God, I pray that you would continue to bless in the homes, those that are, are a part of this, these services that we're having. God, I, I thank you for allowing them the opportunity to come and to listen. And God, I pray that you would bless their time, their effort. Lord, I pray that you would uh, continue to bless their homes. God, there's so many struggling right now, and it, it doesn't seem like it's getting any easier. And God, I pray that you would uh, continue to guide. Lord, open up our eyes and our hearts uh, to see you in all that we do. God, I pray again that you would uh, continue to guide uh, those doctors and those scientists and 
all that are out there working around the clock Lord, to find a cure and to find a way to prevent this virus from getting worse and from happening again. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would uh, find, help them find that cure, Lord, and, and a way to prevent. Lord, for all of those that are still on the front line, Lord, and they're having to deal with it daily, Lord, I pray that you would continue to protect them as well. God, I pray that you bring them home safely to their families. Bless them for their efforts, Lord, and I pray that at some point that you would allow them to have some rest and, uh, and get back on their feet and get back to what will be the new norm for each one of us. Lord, as we start a new week tomorrow, God, I pray that uh, you would bless in our devotions. Lord, I pray that you would pick them out. Lord, I pray that you'd pick those devotions out every morning and it would be a blessing and, a, and a, uh, just an eye-opening for someone to hear it. Lord, we uh, love you, we praise you, and we thank you for all that you're doing. All this your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, y'all have a good day and a good week. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Blood of the Lamb. Lay 